the story. And so allow this song that will be shown on the screen to prepare your hearts to receive from the life of Moses. to look in the mirror without hiding my eyes I'd like to see what you see why you think I'm qualified to speak for you oh God most high who hides a baby in the reeds of a
you take out your sermon notes that are available on the back of your bulletin and your Bibles, let me ask you a question as we begin today. Have you ever had a moment in life that did not go quite as you had planned? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Anybody have a moment when you arrived at that moment you thought, I really thought things were going to be a little bit different? Or perhaps you get to that place where you say, I did not see that coming. Has anybody had a moment like that where something bad happens or all of a sudden you see that big orange detour sign and you thought, man, we had this planned out and now it's not working? And as I think about that, I think about all the people that then have to say, okay, God, what's your plan now? God, what's in your hand? What do you, what do you want to do now, God? Because my plan didn't work out. And as I look at all of the characters of the story that we've looked at and that we will look at, that is the reality of their lives. That they had a plan, they thought this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to work out, and... Life didn't go as it had been planned. The same is true for Moses that we're going to look at today. I'm going to have you open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 34, the final chapter of the Torah, the final chapter of Moses' life where he is coming to that very last moment with God here on this earth. And he is atop Mount Nebo, which is the Mount of Blessings, and he is looking out from the summit of that mountain And he can see all the land that God had promised, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He sees the promised land with his very own eyes, and he gets to survey it. And he has that final moment with God here on this earth, and that's where we find ourselves in Deuteronomy 34. Beginning at verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in the valley of Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day, no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. This passage of Scripture tells us that Moses was the greatest leader in Israel's history, and that is a title that lasts to this day among the Jews. If you ask who is the greatest in all of Israel, And there are some great prophets and judges and kings like David. If you ask them who is the greatest leader of all Israel, they will all answer Moses. There's no one else like him. And so when we look at his life, was his life a well-laid-out plan? Did everything go just according to what he thought should happen? 
what made his life so significant. And that's what I want to look at today. And so what I'm going to do is I want to break his life down for you as it is in Scripture. He lived to be 120 years old, but in reality, his life breaks down into 40-year periods. So he has this kind of symmetric life that we can look at. As we look at these periods, see where you find yourself. The first 40 years. Moses is born into a fatal generation of Jewish men. Every baby that was born under the edict of Pharaoh was to be killed. And so there were to be no more baby boys born among the Hebrew slaves. And obviously Moses' mom was heartbroken and would have nothing to do with this, and so she has Moses in secret and she hides the baby as long as she can until he starts to get a little bit older and she can't hide him anymore. And so she makes a little boat and sends him sailing. And, he wa- and his sister watches him as as he goes out into the river, and they didn't know what they could do. I mean, her plan wasn't really big because she didn't know how this was all going to end, but she knew that she couldn't give up her baby boy. Moses was born into a generation that shouldn't even existed, and yet he was there. He's found in the river by Pharaoh's daughter, who loves this child and wants this child for her own. The sister says, hey, I know someone that can nurse this child and raise this child, and so... Moses gets to be raised by his mother. And I'm sure she tells him the story. And I'm sure he knows who he really is, even though he's about to go into Pharaoh's house. And so he is then brought and lived as Pharaoh's daughter, had a place in Pharaoh's house. I mean, talk about a privileged life that he would live and a protected life that he would live. And yet his heart was always with his Hebrew family. Hebrews chapter 11 in in the Hall of Faith chapter of the Bible, you go back and you read, Moses desired more to be a part of his slave family than his royalty family. And so his heart was with the Hebrews. And one day, when he's 40 years old, he sees an Egyptian master beating a slave, and he just can't take it anymore. And when he thinks no one is watching, he kills that Egyptian master, and he hides the body, and he doesn't think anybody saw it. You can read all this in Exodus chapter 1. He thinks that no one saw it, but the reality is a lot of people saw it. And now the the Hebrews are afraid of him, and Pharaoh wants to kill him. The thing I notice about these first 40 years is that Moses doesn't really know where he fits. He doesn't know where he belongs. Have you ever been in that moment where you're like, "I, I don't know if I fit anywhere. You know, I don't fit with this group, I don't fit with that group, I, I don't seem to, I'm not fitting in, and, and when you try to take things in your own hands, you, you make it worse, and, and this is where Moses finds himself, and now he's got to run away, he's got to go far away, because nobody likes him, and Pharaoh wants to kill him, and at the end of this 40-year period of his life, there are 15 verses regarding the first 40 years of his life. Moves into the second 40 years of his life. He finds himself in the, in the wilderness in Midian. And there were seven young girls at a well that were being harassed. And he steps in and he takes care of the situation. And not only takes care of the people that were harassing him, but then helps these young ladies. The young ladies return home to their father. And the father says, bring this guy back. I want to meet him. I want to thank him. I want to give him a job. And so he gets a job watching sheep in the wilderness, and, and then he gets to marry the boss's daughter. He, he gives one of his daughters to, to Moses, and, and he leads a very quiet and comfortable life in the middle of nowhere for 40 years. 
And all of a sudden, the, the verses on this part of his life take a nosedive, and there's only ten verses on the second part of his life. At 80 years old, for the third part of his life, he has God show up in, in a burning bush. And God says, okay, Moses, everything's about to change. I have a call on your life. I've always had a call on your life, and I've always had a plan for you. You've kind of been doing your own thing, but now I'm calling you to go and set your people free. My children, the Hebrews, they have cried out to me under their yoke of slavery, and I want you to go and I want you to set them free. Moses, I've got something really big for you to do. Does Moses say, absolutely, God, let's go? No. He starts to give excuses. And you can write these excuses down. They'll be on the screen. He begins to... He, the first thing is, who, me? You talking to me? God, are you sure you got the right person here? Don't you realize the, the first part of my life and what I've done and how I've messed up? And I can't do it, God. I, I'm not the right person. I think, you, I think you meant somebody else because I... Not me. Who, me? The second excuse he makes is, I, I don't have the authority. Who's, Pharaoh is not going to listen to me. He's going to kill me when he sees me. He is not going to listen to me. There's no way I can ask them what you're asking me to do. The third one is that no one's going to listen to me. People are going to distrust me. Even if, even if I do get it uh, taken care of on the Egyptian side, the Hebrew side, they're not going to listen to me. And, and I feel like I would probably say, you know what, Moses, they're never going to listen to you. <laughs> but God says, I know. But people aren't going to listen to me. And then number four, he says, I've got speech difficulties. I, I stammer. I, I, I can't talk. And I get nervous. I get anxious. I can't do this, God. And so he makes another excuse, a, a physical excuse. And then finally, just number five, he's just a coward. He begs God, please pick somebody else. Please, God. Because none of the other excuses are working. Please, God, pick somebody else. Look at that list right now. Let me ask you a question. Which one of these five excuses was a surprise to God? Which one did He not know about before He called Moses? What could God have said? You know, Moses, you're right. I forgot about that. You're not the right guy. So sorry. Go back to your sheep. Yeah. But it's not just Moses, it's you too. When God taps you on the shoulder during a time of prayer, during a time of worship, during a time of the Word, saying, I really want you to do this. And who? God? I think it was meant for the person down the road, not for me. Sorry, God. I can't do that. I, I don't have the resources. I don't have the ability. I don't... Do you think God didn't know exactly who Moses was? Do you not think that God knew exactly what the first 80 years were all about? And that's why I love the song that we listened to and watched right before the message, the lyrics there. If there's anything that's good in me, it must be you. If there's any part of my shaking heart to see this journey through, it must be you. It must be you. It must be you. If there's anything good in us, it must be God. And that's the truth for Moses. Listen to me. God shared His name with Moses. He says, I am. I am Yahweh. 
And he added to that name throughout the life of Moses, throughout the, the life of his interaction with the children of Israel. I am your God. I am the Lord Almighty. I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your strength. I am your joy. I am your salvation. I am your redemption. He says, I am whatever you need. I am. And he shares that name and he shares that power with Moses. Moses, I know you can't do what you need to do. I'm going to give you my power. You have my name. You have my power. You have anything you need. And I am faithful. That's what God says. Whatever you need, whenever you need it, Moses, I am there for you. And he shared his plan and his purpose with Moses. <coughs> Excuse me. God had a plan. Even when Moses was messing up, God had a plan. And even through the detours of life that did not, the negate, did not negate the plan of God for Moses' life, God's purpose was bigger than any mistake that Moses made. And just so you know, he even made mistakes, big ones here in this time of his life too. But nothing was too hard for God. Nothing broke that, that plan of God. And the plan of God and following the purpose of God brought out the greatness in Moses' life. It was by following his plan in obedient relationship to God that Moses got to know God and see God like no one else ever did. He got close to God and he did great things for God. And when you look at his life in those last 40 years, what did he do? He took on the world's strongest leader. The person that ruled all of the known world at the time. And you know what? He defeated him and his army and wiped them out. That's the power of God through Moses. He established the Hebrew cultures and what we call the Torah that lasts to this day among the Jews. He saw the power of God. He got to speak for God. And guess what? He even got to see God. Moses lived that life of obedience. and When you look at his life and you come to the end, and the four books, the last four books of the Torah are about Moses, and guess what? When you add up and total those verses, there's 4,300 verses on the last part of his life. When you look at this breakdown and you hear the story, it begs three questions. When we began today, we were on the top of Mount Nebo in Deuteronomy 34, looking out over the Promised Land, and in those last moments with God, as he looks over the 120 years of his life, which 40-year period do you think Moses looked at with the most joy? Which 40 years changed all of human history. Which 40 years was both Moses and God the most proud of? It's a no-brainer, right? I bet you if you sat down with Moses today in heaven and you asked him and you started talking about his life, that the majority of the conversation would be about those last 40 years. Here's my challenge to you today. Do not settle down without finding God's plan and His will for your life. Do not slow down. Do not say you're too young. Do not say you're too old. When the detours of life come and life doesn't work out as you had planned, don't get discouraged. Keep fighting. Keep going. Even in the middle of a detour, when you find yourself completely out of place that you thought you'd be, 
Even if you find yourself in a place of safety and security, ask God, what do you want me to do in the place that I'm at right now? Holy Spirit, where are you leading me? Where are you guiding me? And the reason I want us to be sensitive and get to the big 40-year period of our life, listen to me, the reason I want you to embrace God's call in your life, the reason I want you to be full of faith and obedience is this, is because the world has never needed you more. The kingdom of God needs you to step up in your gifts and your abilities that God has given you. And you may say, I'm nothing. I understand. I feel that way too. I feel like I don't fit in sometimes. I get all that. But you know what? When I place my life in His hands, He's going to do big things. And He's going to do that with each one of you. And our world is in desperate need of followers of Christ being obedient to God's call on their life. Ephesians 2.10 says this. I'd like you to highlight it in your Bible. I'd like you to place it on your mirror. And I want you to realize that this is God's Word to you. For you are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things He planned for us long ago. Listen to me. You are God's masterpiece. You haven't made so many mistakes that now you're just a pile of junk. You are God's masterpiece. When you are in the master's hands, when he is the potter and you are the clay, you are God's work of art. And he is creating you for good works. He's creating you for something great. And there will be detours in life. There will be problems in life. He made mistakes in each part of his life. But... Romans 8.28 is in the Bible, and I love that because he says all things, not a few things, but all things work together for good. God is shaping, He is molding, He is at work, and here's where the rubber meets the road as we bring this in for a conclusion. Listen to me. We need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Yielded to the voice of the Spirit. You know, a lot of times we want to say, God, well, what's the plan? What's the plan for my life? God, tell me the plan. And you know what? It's not so much about the plan. It's about placing your life in His hand and saying, God, whatever you want me to do right now, today, whatever you want me to do in the world in which I live, in the moment in which I live, God, lead me right now. He wants to lead you to good works. He has great things for you. And I believe that the most significant moments of your life will be those moments where you are surrendered and obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I believe God's calling to us to that today. Would you just bow your heads with me? I want to pray with you. And then I just want us to have a moment of, of worship and song. Before our baptisms, before our membership, all those things. I just want to pray for you. And I don't know where you sit today with your head bowed and your eyes closed, but I, I just believe right now that God is calling us, I don't know, I just I feel as a church and I feel as families and I feel as individuals, God is calling us to another level of obedience and faithfulness. That God has something that, that He wants to do in our life. And I want to pray for you today. And, and I'm just going to believe that you're going to enter into that obedient part of your life, that faithful part of your life where where you may just be a, a mess right now, or you may be living the most safe, comfortable life right now, 
But wherever you find yourself, you say, God, I just want to, I want more. I want more. I want more of you. I want more of your power. I just, I can't get away from this for some reason. And so we're just going to be obedient now. I don't know everybody that's here today. I don't know everybody that's watching online, maybe listening on the radio. But I just sense from God right now we need to do this. All that we've talked about begins with a personal relationship with God. Moses' power came when he was close to God and obedient to God. And we were all created for a relationship with God. Well, you may find yourself far away from God today, and, and if there is sin in your life, it's the sin that separates us from God. The Bible calls it the good news. It's the good news that Jesus came and He died on the cross for our sins. And while we'll never be 100% good, we can be 100% forgiven and in a right relationship with God. But it comes from confessing our sins, confessing Jesus as Lord, that He was raised from the dead. So today I'm just going to lead you in a prayer before I pray for you. And I just, if this is a commitment of your heart, I'm just going to ask you to say these words and believe them and start that relationship with God. Repeat these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you right now. Thank you, God. Lord, that, that there are so many that have prayed that prayer and, and invited you into their life. There are prodigals that have returned home. God, I thank you. Lord, we know that, that there's a party in heaven right now. Rejoicing. And God, I pray that you would make them new creatures and, and alive in you and give them that abundant life, God. And Lord, I pray that beyond just those that, that made that confession today, but for all of us who name your name, Lord, that we would live that abundant life that you promised in John 10.10. 10. That full life, God. That we wouldn't sit down in our brokenness and think it's all over. That we wouldn't sit in our safe and comfortable lives. God, we would press into what you have for us. God, that we would place our life in your hand. For God, you to do something great in our life to a watching world. Bring glory to your name through your church. Bring glory to your name through your people. Rain down grace on our mistakes. Rain down mercy, God, on our detours. Forgive us for plans that we have taken into our own hand. God, we want you and your way. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with your power so that we can know who you are. Lord, come as never before. Come fill us up. Lead us, guide us. Give us ears to hear, hearts to hear, Lord. And 
give us strength and courage to obey with no excuses. We love you this morning. Would you stand with me as we worship the Lord? And in a moment, we're going to have our, our baptismal service, so I'm going to invite anybody that's being baptized just to come on down, and we'll get ready for baptism over here, so all the baptismal candidates can come down at this time. But let's just worship the Lord and make this our prayer this morning. So let's worship God together.